What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Swift Podcast. I am here today with a strength and conditioning specialist, a dear friend of mine, um, owner of Full Circle Fitness, the legendary, the one and only Karen Bibbs, graduate from Rowan. Karen, welcome to the show. How are you, sir? I'm good. How about you, man? I'm doing well. I, I thank you for taking some time to join me today. Um, I'm excited. New year, new start. Um, can't complain. How's everything on your end? How did 2020 treat you? You ready for the new year? Oh, man. Uh, 2020, to be honest with you, was one of those things like it exposed me. Um, I think 2020 exposed a lot of us, to be honest with you, but it really exposed me. And I mean, like, not in a financial standpoint or, you know, um, I just think plan wise, you know, you have to have a plan. Um, and at times I feel like I'm so planned that where I don't prepare for something like a pandemic like oh if it's you know a pandemic came around what what would you do i had no clue so i was like almost <laughs> like i got caught my pants down so it was yeah. like i was just sitting there like ah uh, <laughs> for a while but um you know even you know just personally like you know there's some things that i went through this year that were like you know it was just it was pretty crazy um you know physically mentally emotionally everything like that uh even unrelated to the pandemic. So um, a lot, a lot went on with, I I think, honestly, I always say this, I had a Disney trip earlier this year, probably, I think it was February or mid January. After that all downhill, man, I was in, I was in, (laughs) I I knew it was going to be a bad year when Kobe died while I was in Disney. Oh, dude. I was like, Oh man. I was like, no, like, I don't like that. You know, I still remember that. I was sitting in the library when I got the news and I literally had to walk away. I was like, I can't sit here and just like, he was a different animal. He was a different athlete. He was someone we looked up to growing up and we still live by a lot of his things. And it's amazing to see like the tributes and the remembrance. And he was what you call a legend. His legacies are still living. People are still walking out with his jerseys on the playing field. You're still talking about Mamba mentality. And I feel like looking at... Uh, I feel like looking at, I know your story a little differently than the viewers know, and I know you've been through a lot this year, which we'll touch base on today, but I feel like you had that mentality going into that and now where you currently stand being in the position you're at. Um, so yeah, that's, that was, that was heartbreaking for sure. And I think a lot of us need to live by that mentality for the most part. Um, Absolutely. But 
Give us a background on you. So I know strength and conditioning is your bread and butter. Football was your sport. Now you're a washed up athlete, which we both realized last week. So, <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, so to, to, without getting too far in detail, um, you know, strength and conditioning has been a passion of mine. Um, I really didn't notice it until I got into college. Um, you know, previously, just going into college, I wanted to be an athletic trainer. Um, and then I, like, soon realized going through the program, an excellent program, mind you, at, at Rowan University, probably top notch, you know, top 10 in the country, I, w- I, w- I would say. Um <laughs> They are so like straight and narrow. This is what you live, you die by everything, uh, athletic training. And I, I kind of was just like, uh, I, I didn't want to be on that side of, you know, if we're talking about athletes and student athletes and things like that, I didn't want to be on that side. Um, yeah. So I decided to go the strength conditioning route, you know, talking to some people, um, actually Mr. Christie over at Eastern, um, you know, was kind of directing me and, you know, and where I wanted to go. Um, and my thing was performance. I always wanted to perform well and, um, you know, play as, as good as I, I could play or just be an all around just physical specimen. You know what I'm saying? Not, mm-hmm. not just to look at, but, you know, just be able to do everything. I wanted to be this Swiss army knife. Um, I wanted to be able to run fast, jump, um, be ex- as explosive as I could be, run miles if I needed to run some miles. Um, I, I've done Spartan races. I've done bodybuilding competitions. Uh, the only thing I haven't really done yet was a legitimate powerlifting meet. Um, so everything else I've pretty much competed in. Okay. So talk to me about your definition of sports performance as a sports performance coach. What do you look at in your athletes? What do your program designs look like? And what's your overall goal? Like I know for you personal goal, right? Performance be well. And we talked about a lot of the goals aspect of it. Um, So when you're looking at someone and they're coming to you specifically, they come to full circle fitness and like, I want to get better at such and such sport. What's your criteria? I know it's going to be different having the background you've had and then You've been in there yourself, right? You've worked with a lot of strength coaches and you and I just talked about it last week about what your football coaches and their mindset was. So how do you learn from that and how do you continue to coach? I think that's very important that people understand those aspects, right? Yeah. So uh, for me, you know, taking an athlete, obviously, it, it really just depends on where, where they're at in their careers, respectively, um, you know, age and things like that. So you take the age in consideration and what their overall goals are and really just see what they need. Uh, so, you know, you focus on the needs first and then, you know, you take their needs and basically individualize your program based off of what they really need and uh, what their sport entails. So, um, you know, for instance, obviously, you know, I, I get a football player or something like that. You know, basically we're, we're talking about, um, you know, getting an athlete in, basically just, you know, what they're basing it off of what their needs are um, and really just learning the athlete um, both physically and, you know, mentally. Um, I think that mentally is one of the most uh, overlooked aspects of strength and conditioning. Uh, yeah. They think, you know, these kids are just robots. These are people. You're talking to people here. And I didn't want to be one of those coaches that was just robotic. I really wanted to learn um, how everyone thinks, how they function, and, um, you know, not just in, the, obviously, the physical. And you can see that somebody has bad hip mobility, have tight ankles, uh, things like that. Um, but you have to see them from a mental perspective, too. So I, I've been diving more into, um, you know, the 
emotional, that kind of uh, psychology uh, side as well. Uh, because, you know, coming from my experience going to college uh, at Rowan and, and, you know, dealing with our strength coach there, um, as, as we talked before, I, I kind of butt heads with them um, because, you know, I'm trying to learn from them. I'm, I'm a student, first and foremost. I was a student in that, you know, profession um, and trying to get in that profession. So I was trying to better understand, um, you know, strength conditioning and just, you know, what what his philosophy was overall because you know there's so many different people out there um and different philosophies and you see all you know types of different things so you know he didn't really communicate with me very well so I was less reluctant to do his programming um and I you know I kind of fought back on most of the things because you know I was just like you know what I don't know what I'm doing this for and I don't understand it um I'm learning one thing but you're teaching me another so you know you kind of you kind of want to um learn from that and then I kind of want to be that coach that has them you know they I have them so I want them to understand what they're doing and you know the reasoning behind it um as well as making sure that they're being directed in you know going on the right path really um so Dom and I Dom and I talked about that and I think it's a very important part. So for coaches that are watching to understand one aspect that Karen just touched based on is understanding your athlete, not just as an athlete, like performance we can get, right? But mentality, we just talked about Baba mentality, right? And the coaches right. he worked with and Tim Grover and the amount of work he did mentally and getting their behavior to change. I think establishing sport performance and really getting that route, you need behavior change. You need to establish some sort of coaching skill sets and communication skill sets that elicit behavior change. You just said you were reluctant not to do the program your coach told you because you couldn't really change your behavior, but you also didn't buy into the programming. You also didn't right, buy exactly. into the, the aspect of it. And that's where education is going to be a key component of how you deliver your programming and how you deliver performance. So I know you work with a lot of young athletes and I think in that population, you see a lot of swimmers They're they're in the teenage years and getting them to believe in something is quite hard. So what are your coaching cues? What are your coaching tactics for those guys? Especially the ones that really don't believe in you and you just have to kind of force them to do it, right? Yeah, um, to be honest with you, uh, you know, what a lot of these kids want to see, they want to see overnight change. Um, and I'm, I'm there to tell them like, you know, the typical Rome wasn't built in a day, or, you know, that kind of thing. So I always tell them that it's a process, number one, and they have to understand that everything's a process. You're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days. Uh, throughout the process. You're not going to PR every single week. Even when you're new, you're not going to PR every single Absolutely. week. It's just Absolutely. how it is. Um, hold on one second. Let me close this door. Cause... Go ahead. So for these guys, um, most most of what I do is just, you know, talk to them specifically, just educate them really. Um, you know, everything doesn't happen overnight. Um, I They see me and they, they're like, oh my God, I want to look like you. I want to be like you. And I always have to tell them, like, you know, it took me years to be like this. It, it, it didn't happen in six months. It didn't happen in just one year. So it, it's a constant process. So I kind of have to show them the process as well. So when I lay out a program and I always tell them, you know, I always say found, really just like a foundation. We're building a foundation first before we get into all that cool stuff you see, cool stuff you see me doing. Um, we have to lay that foundation. Um, and I usually say fundamentals, not fluff, right? Yeah, so we, we work on fundamentals, not just stuff you see on Instagram. Um, 
you know, stuff you think is cool, you know, all that stuff. I, I always say, you know, for them, there's a time and place for that, but it's not right now. You're an athlete. So we're going to work on being an Absolutely. athlete. And I think um, that's where a lot of people forget is the fundamental components, right? We jump too fast too soon, especially for our younger guys and our younger athletes. They're healthy. They're moving well. So we can progress them fairly quickly. Right. And then I think long-term, we end up doing a disservice to them, right? We move them too quick. We get them there too fast. Yeah, they're jumping stronger. But then they end up in a clinic and seeing me as a therapist saying, hey, I hurt myself doing this. Or we just see it on the field where they just didn't perform well. Um, fundamentals are a key component that we address. And I know you've done a really good job about fundamentals. So let's kind of take that to the, to the next part. I know you just went over an extensive surgery. Um, do you think where you are today, the fundamentals that you weren't really kind of taught and that weren't really in your foundation, do you think that led to where your injury was today? Or do you think over time, it was just a load? Obviously, we knew you do a lot of crazy stuff. Like I see it all the time. You're right. a very powerful human being. For those of you who don't know him, um, check out his content online, but he moves really well. Um, so give him a background on what happened. And then let's link that fundamentals. I know that's something that we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, I think it's a key component people should be aware of. Yeah, so, uh, well, first, kind of tell them, so um, I had an inguinal hernia um, that I was diagnosed with, I think it was late October or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I didn't really feel much of anything. Like, some people know when they, you, you get an injury, most times you know what, what happened. Like, the first initial, you know, whether it's a shooting pain, a rip, tear, pop, something like that. None of that really happened to me. Uh, the reason I really noticed it, and I think I aggravated it extremely here, I was just doing a drill, uh, 5-10-5, pro agility. Uh, I was just doing a regular drill. So it happened that the night before or day before it rained quite a bit. Um, I was on a grass field, and I was going to go cut. I felt great. Um, I wanted to go cut. My leg might have swooped out from underneath me a little bit. I felt kind of like a clunk in my back. And then I got a back spasm. Um, and then I felt like a, almost like a pull in my groin. And then, you know, days go by, the spasm kind of goes away. It was like a small spasm, maybe like a day or two, lasted like a day or two. And, and I was like, uh, this is kind of, this doesn't feel right. And, you know, I started getting pain in my, my uh, you know, groin area. Um, and I just knew something wasn't right. Uh, so I had just gotten an ultrasound and then they told me I had a hernia. Um, and the first thing I thought was like, hernia is like, I thought you got that if you had an extremely weak core, like I, I, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I warm up, I do, you know, core stability exercises all the time. Um, I have a really solid foundation. Um, but you know, I kind of look back at it, look, you know, reflecting now, um, was it a volume thing? Was I doing too much? Um, maybe I was, um, but you know, I, I, I can't really know because I don't have any signals in my body telling me, hey, you're doing too much. You got to stop. We're going to give you something, your hernia or whatever. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't really know, but I, I do think it is partially linked to how much volume, you know, I, I was Absolutely. pushing at the time because I was going through a pretty aggressive strength cycle. Was I sleeping enough? Probably not. That's one of my downfalls. I don't sleep the best. Um, so maybe I was overcompensating. And, you know, sometimes it, you know, it, it doesn't matter who you are. You know, if your body's kind of beat, beat down and wore down, you can set yourself up for some injuries. And uh, I think 
to me, it, it, it might have been an aggressive, aggressive cycle where I just wound up getting hurt. Um, yeah. So, you know, I had the surgery uh, November 12th, and, you know, here I am today. But uh, I do think, you, you know, it's, it's harder for me right now. You know, I'm, I'm rebuilding that foundation practically. Um, but it's a little bit harder for me because I'm one of those guys, I'm, I, I really, you know, love training hard. And yeah. for me right now, this stuff is, oh. So I think it kind of backtracks what we talked about a little earlier in the, in the podcast about the mentality, understanding the athletes and the, and the mental standpoint, right? Yeah. You come to me as a, as a potential athlete to train. I'm like, yo. You look at what you've done in the past. You're a pro football player, basically, in, in your head, at least. You're right? really good at athlete. Um, you're moving well, and then, boom, we tell you, stop. You can't do it because you had this. But the key point from Bib's story that people don't understand and have to really understand is load, right? We always have this mentality of sport performance of really loading the athlete to the point of complete exhaustion so they walk off the field and they can't walk straight. That's not always what performance should be about. Performance should right. be about actually doing things functional. You don't have to leave the gym sore 24-7. You also right. don't have to leave completely exhausted. Peak performance happens with you've done like 100 yards, 8 by 100. Boom, you're done. That's it. Eight sprints for 100 meters, and that's all you took, right? Look at your athletes and what they're trained to do and how they're trained to do. I think that's a key component of looking at the sport, but also knowing the difference that, yes, you can overload a very healthy individual. He's probably one of the healthiest individuals I have yet to come across. He eats chicken rice every day, and it's disgusting. <laughs> um, but, I, again, he's susceptible to injury, just like I am. And he gave you a very good lesson in the story of overloading the tissue and overloading your body. It's not about that at point. It's about performance, about foundation. So now you're back in your foundation phases, but mentally you're trying to get yourself away from like coming back too soon. Cause that's all, you know, you know how to yeah. be strong, fast, fit. Yeah. And I, can like, I can't barely do a crunch without hurting myself. So what are you doing for yourself? I guess, I guess if you had an athlete in that situation to mentally prepare yourself of not going too fast. I know we all have a urge, right? I had a patient last week post ACL and this kid's hopping. Cause he's, I'm like, dude, you can't hop yet. You gotta wait another six weeks, but it's like, yeah. you have to remind them they can't do it. Right. So for us being on the other side as the coaches, now we right. are the coaching ourselves. What are your cues for that? What are you doing? Uh, right now as, as I'm keeping it as simple as possible. Uh, so I'm not trying to do any crazy hand cleans, uh, okay. anything super explosive, um, nothing super aggressive where, you know, I'm, I'm basically putting myself back in that situation where I'm doing explosive movement that might have okay. triggered it. Um, so I'm giving myself some time to heal, um, just working on basics, pretty much just movement, um, getting used to movement because I, I get sore. Some, I was sore some days just from moving around. So yeah. I can't, um, I can't expect to then. All right, let's go to single arm, single leg, uh, chest press. Let's do, you know, single leg RDLs with a row and all this other stuff. So it's really just building up a foundation uh, yeah. again, and just and just really focusing on the basics again. Just movement, and you know, I keep the weights so light. Like honestly, yeah. I never thought I'd see the days where I'm I'm just benching twenties. Like I pick them up and like this is a joke. <laughs> like I, I like want to laugh so hard at myself. Like you have twenty pounds in your hands. You did this. Like you know, I'm just thinking about it, and you know, I'm thinking about the long term. And then I think yeah. most athletes don't think about long term. They're really stuck in the short. 
So I'm thinking about this, you know, when I'm 30, when I'm 35, how do I want to feel when I'm, I'm older? So if I, I decide to go ahead and just blow myself out right now, and then let's say I get another hernia where I didn't, I didn't build my foundation good enough. And then I just set myself up for, let's say, another hernia down the road, six yeah. to eight months, maybe even a year later. Then you got to go through another surgery. These things don't repair themselves. So, you know, you have to go through another surgery at that point. And do I want to be, listen, that was the longest month of my life. <laughs> like they told me I couldn't lift for a month. I literally looked at them. I, I tried to find every loophole that I could to do something. He said, no, you are sitting down. The only thing you can do is walk. You can't live anything over five pounds, which I thought was a joke. I said, I can't pick up milk. <laughs> like a gallon of milk is practically five pounds. And he was like, wow. yeah, yeah, you're stuck with, this is your limitation. Um, and, you know, I was trying to work around it. I was like, hey, can I do band rows? Can I, do, you know, I'm not going to squat. Can I do band rows? Can I do calf raises? Like I was trying to figure out the, yeah. the strength coach me was like, let's do some volume, you know, some, some hundred reps, calf, <laughs> calf raises. Let me do something like you, yeah. you can't just, you know. And I think that's so, where we got to find that. And it, that's the beauty of it is being on the other side. Now you can yeah. relate to those athletes when we tell them on performance standpoint, Hey, this is your final workout for the week. You're not working out until next week. And they're like, what do you mean? I got to get ready. I got to get that. So just like that. And, and hernias, for those of you who don't know, are very extensive. Um, depending on the procedure you have done, there's multiple procedures that you have to, like you can go with and so forth. Your core takes a beating. And I'm not talking your abs like they're sore. I'm talking deep layers of the core foundation and to the pubic bone that this stuff is damage and it protrudes and it causes a lot of issues now me and me had talked about the possibilities of it when you were going through the surgery and like what what they were giving you and so forth um so it's good to see you're recovering you did get a little fat i will say that um, yeah i did i did i lost some I, I lost my abs man <laughs> but we know we know we know that's the the small price to pay i think he taught you another lesson here is short term versus long term right and i think last year or a year ago when Gronkowski left the Patriots and took a break and he came out and talked about the impact football had on his body. And he goes, I'm 29 and I'm going to bed aching sore and I'm in pain. And you don't realize how much stress athletes put on their bodies. We don't realize how much movement. Like I started adding some cleans and some sprints in the mornings and so forth. And it's, I'm hurting, right? I'm, I'm getting to that point where I'm like, my frequency has significantly reduced. My intensity has gone up, but my recovery is just as important now. And I've found more results that way, right? And I think that's what it, this teaches you more than anything is recovery. And you, you hit right. a key point early on of one of your flaws is sleep um, and the importance of sleep performance, right? And we've always yeah. talked about and we're always taught, educated, and we try to teach eight hours a day, six to seven a day, whatever it may be, to get peak performance out of your athlete. And that's important. Um, and if you as a coach aren't teaching your athletes that are not practicing what you preach and you're hurting yourself and then for your example, you will get hurt. It will lead to injury. Yep. yep. And, and I try to make an example out of myself and, you know, some of these kids are like, you know, uh, you know, I, I got a couple questions in regards to like, you know, did you do this or, you know, is it, a, you know, is mainly your fault? And, um, you know, I, you'll never know really. Um, because these things can happen to anybody at any point in time. You can pick up something wrong. You can get your, give yourself a hernia. So Absolutely. you just never know. But 
um, one of the kids kind of asked me, like, you know, it, it, can this happen to me if if I'm doing all this this stuff? Is this going to set me up to? to I was like, if, if anything, we're really setting me up for this not to necessarily happen. But there is always a chance that you can get hurt. You never know when it is. Um, and you know, and the same thing with you know, you know, the sleep and stuff like that. And I'm like, listen, I don't want you to be me in the sense that like. I go to bed sometimes late because I, I, I got some stuff to do. Or I, I'm, I'm so, like, I'm into, if I'm into something, I don't stop until I get it done or I feel like it's good enough to go to good. bed and sleep on it. And Absolutely. That, that, that can be dangerous for me just because <laughs> then we're talking, like, I don't have to be up at 7. I might work or do stuff until 2 o'clock, and I will do it, and I won't have a problem doing it. But, you know, then I try to fix it with maybe I have some extra cups of coffee and think that, you know, that synthetic, you know, I, I'm, I'm awake, that's artificial sleep. And, you yeah. know, you, no, you get in the habit, of, you get in the habit of that. And then, you know, that's when you're setting yourself up with bad habits. And, um, you know, I try to tell them like, hey, listen, we're not, we're not going to sleep the best all the time. But if yeah. you can do something about it, there's, there's something that you can actively do to help your performance, help your recovery, do it by all means. And um, a lot of things that they miss too, besides the eight to 10 hours is the eating. Um, a lot of these, let's say I have, you know, plenty of swimmers. A lot of these swimmers don't eat enough. Um, and, you know, they're swimming, 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 and they're just drained. And you just wonder whether or not it's the practice or it's because you're not eating enough. You're like, I get eight hours. Well, how much do you eat? I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I'm like, that's it? What do you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? What, what, what is that meal comprised of? What are those meals comprised of? Oh, I had a bagel sandwich in the morning. Lunch, I had a peanut butter and jelly. And then dinner, I had some pasta. I'm like, well, you swam four hours. You had a, a morning <laughs> practice and an evening practice. Were, were you just cruising during this practice? No, we were going all out. Well... <laughs> Well, you, you know, you, and then you're coming to me for for some some strength sessions. So you're talking about five hours of exercise with minimal calories. Yeah, you're and smoked. Yeah. You're smoked. So you know, some of those things is just those little things. Like you know, I, I'm telling them to eat more. They start eating more, and they start to notice that they have more energy, and you know, they start to see the muscle mass start to come up. And you know, for me, like it, it's it's the simple things that people are missing, but they end up being their downfall in the, you know, the long run. Yeah, if, if they absolutely. don't, they don't pay attention to the little things that you, you think wouldn't affect you so much, but they really do. And this is something over the years that I have really noticed about myself as well, is that I really neglected like sleep. Um, my nutrition has pretty much been on point. Um, but As we come to a wrap up with this podcast, I want to have the coach tell everyone his three things for success in terms of sports performance. So, Bibbs, this is your floor. This is your time. Three things that you tell any athlete that walks up to you, any client that walks up to you that wants to improve performance. We're not talking sports specific, just in general. What are your three big tips for them? Uh, three big tips. I, I, I always say, you know, whether it's a client or anything, be coachable. Um, be consistent uh, with everything. So, 
uh, whether that's, you know, practice, making sure you're, you're eating right, the sleep that we talked about, things like that. Um, and I would definitely say just, you know, I, I think for me, I would say stay the course no matter what. Um, and trust the process. <laughs> yes. Trust the process. I didn't want to use the Philly quote, man. I didn't it's want fine. To Everyone's doing it. <laughs> but yes, trust, trust the process. Um, I love it. I love and, it. And, I think that's a little bit different than, than consistency. It's, it's really Absolutely. just the buy-in. You have to be bought into it and you really have to, to dive deep in, into what, you know, you're invested in, um, you know, whether that's your coach, whether that's the program, you really just have to see it completely through. Don't, don't yeah. dog it, you know, uh, just because you don't get change overnight. Don't, don't think it's not working. Um, the change is coming. You just got to trust the process. So, guys, this was a strong finish to another episode in the Swift podcast, but I want to give my final thoughts on today's topic. I think this was a great example to bring on with how his life has been through the pandemic into this new year. And we talk about sports performance and everyone wants to be an athlete. And you have an athlete right in front of us who's currently unable to work out for months, well, at least another month or so. And he's been through the whole cycle. And what we learned from him was three big things, right? Consistency, staying consistent to the program, taking care of those small little aspects like hydration, nutrition, sleep, huge sleep. And we're gonna have another guest coming soon that we will talk specifically about sleep. Um, and lastly, trusting the process that comes into play. And then, when we first started our conversation, he talked about planning and coaching and coachability, right? And I think all those things come into play of, and it leads into behavior change. If you really want to change performance, if you really want to go into changing your life and being better and getting those results, whatever it may be, if you can't change the behavior and if your coach can't change the behavior for you, you're unsuccessful. For Bibbs, if his doctor couldn't really confirm and really coach him enough to stop working out, he was unsuccessful. And now as he sees his physical therapist and as he gets back into himself and mentally coaches himself to change behavior and reestablish those foundations, that will decide how good of a coach he is. Um, and I think that's a great, great tips that we have, right? Consistency is going to be a huge game. We talked about it last week with the PAC method of planning, accountability, and being consistent. It's always going to come back to those three things for ourselves. Um, babe, tell the people where we can find you at. Uh, you can find me at Official Full Circle Fitness. I know it's very long and wordy, um, but that was the only thing available. But it's Official <laughs> Full Circle Fitness on Instagram. Uh, my personal page is Bibbs underscore era. Um, I also have a Facebook, Twitter, et cetera but mostly at that official full circle fitness. Awesome, brother. I thank you for your time. Guys, thank you for listening. This isn't the last time you'll see this young man in front of you. We will be touching base with him once he makes his recovery and rebounds. And we can really tell you what it takes to go from completely immobile for a month to where true performance lies. Babes, thanks for tuning in. And I will talk to you soon, brother. Thanks for having me. All right. All your life.